This is the Coaching Routes Podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry, impacting lives through different routes on the same journey. Now, here's Jay and Max. Welcome back to the Coaching Routes Podcast. Tonight, we're joined by assistant coach at Indiana State, Zach Beauvert. Uh, Coach was a manager at Fordham is where he got his start, uh, so to speak, and then got on at Iona in 2011 for a couple of years before moving on to being an assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson from 2013, 2014, uh, was able to make the move up to Maine for, as an assistant for two years. Uh, and then has recently been at army as an assistant for the last five years. And then just within the last couple of months, uh, has taken a job with Indiana state as an assistant going with coach Josh shirts, uh, and he was awesome to have on the podcast tonight. Gave us a lot, a lot of food for thought. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the first thing, if you know his name in coaching, and you probably do if you're a young guy, we talked about pick and pop and just kind of like how he's branded himself and, and um, you know, used helping others to also help himself. So I thought that was cool. He definitely talked about Photoshop and and basically, you know, if you're not using it and you're a young guy, what are you doing? You know, like this is like a, a become a focal point um, for staffs and things like that. And then the last thing that really stuck out to me, along with a bunch of others that I'll let him cover is just his advice about not chasing money. And I think it is hard to balance sometimes between, you know, being in a really good spot and wanting more, but also you know, that dollar sign comes into play for everybody at some point. It does matter, but can you hold off? And he talks about, you know, the years on that and just like trying to hold off and do what's right for your career and not worry about the, the dollar sign necessarily. Didn't you, we didn't even talk about this, but like, uh, you know, uh, probably four or five years ago, I like stumbled across pick and pop and I was like, man, this is like really good X's and O stuff and some, some like forward thinking and just sort of like what's going on in basketball now and coaching and stuff. Uh, and here we are like, you know, interviewing uh, the guy behind it and it is, you know, it's been awesome. So if it's good, you know, you guys got to check out the good resource. It's pick and pop dot net, I believe pick and pop dot net. So, and they got a Twitter page and everything. So check that out. But, but the podcast was awesome. I mean, uh, you know, talking about, and Jay, I might uh, reiterate a couple of things that you talked about, but, you know, developing a niche, I uh, thought that was really good stuff. You know, he's got such a very focused grind that he's been on and he, and that is the advice that he gives to everybody, which, you know, uh, is really good advice. That's what you got to do to try to make it in this business uh, is just be a student, learn, you know? Um, but he said, did you say the part about uh, never turn down a basketball opportunity? You know, yeah, again, that was elite. That was elite. Again. Uh, yeah. Really, really good stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, it talked about his time recruiting at army and, and uh, you know, even back to when he was, he said he picked up some bar backing shifts when he was at Iona, um, which we got to add to that list of, of, of coaching jobs on the side, by the way. Yeah. Um but just the people that have helped him out along the way, like really good, you know, uh, lesson once again about, um, you know, learning from other people and connecting with, with good people and all that kind of stuff. And just his daily habits, like really impressed with his day, daily habits and success is found on, you know, in your agenda, uh, and that stuff. So, um, you know, I'll let coach kind of 
rattle through the rest of the episode and you know he had some awesome stuff for us so uh, we'll let him take it away welcome back to the coaching routes podcast this week we're joined by indiana state assistant coach zach bovere coach thanks for joining us how's everything going with the transition to the new job uh, it's great man Terre Haute. uh lived my entire life on the east coast uh 17 uh, 17 years up in maine uh, and then I'm trying to think 15, uh, 13, the last 15 in New York, in the New York area, uh, with two years being back in Maine. So my point is never lived off the East coast. And so, uh, I'm getting, a am getting a little, uh, pre a little tour of the Midwest here. So, uh, been here about two months and loving it so far. It's a, it's a cool atmosphere. It's a great program. I couldn't be more excited to be working for coach shirts and you know, this thing, uh, oh my gosh, it, he'll make you better every day. So I'm loving it so far. Well, we're pumped for you guys. And you guys are, are going to do a bunch of success ahead of you. So we're, we're pumped about it, but to kick things off, we like to do, shake it up, maybe, you know, a, a different hypothetical here or there. Um, the one we picked for you. So you have to pick one current NBA head coach yeah. game winner could be base on out side out ATO, whatever. Um, who are you picking or who's like in the top three? I know that's a tough question. Yeah. No, no, there, there's some really good ones, especially you get to that league. I mean, there's, there's such a, you know, they end up in so many of those situations. You just do the math. I, mean, I remember they do the math. They play at a faster pace. So they, they're getting about 100 possessions a game, and they play 82 of them, 82 of those games. So that's 8,200. Um, so that's 8,000. You're playing in the playoffs. You're getting, I mean, just think about the reps those guys are getting with the, with the whiteboards and stuff like that. So um, ultimately, um, I think he's every coach's man crush. It would be Brad Stevens. So I'm going to go Brad Stevens there. but. I'll, uh, I'll offer, um, I love watching any situationally. I think Nick Nurse is fantastic. Um, I think Quinn Snyder's fantastic. I think Eric Spolster's fantastic. Those, those three, I think, are elite. And really, I think there's some, yeah, I mean, you watch, you, you watch NBA game, again, there's just so much you can learn. So those would be the three that come to mind kind of beyond, beyond Brad Stevens. And the fifth one is a guy that might not get enough credit, and I just love him, and he's a, he's a native Mainer like myself, is Steve Clifford with Orlando Magic. Um, so those would be the guys that, you know, you watch, I mean, I'll tell you right now, you watch any of those guys, you're going to, you're going to get better. And, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of my philosophy with film and, you know, I, the, the understand, you know, my development as a coach is directly correlates to my time spent watching film. So early on, you might not even know exactly what you're watching, but I'm telling you, man, if you're watching Steve Clifford teams, just have a pen out there, have a, you know, have an edit, you're sending stuff to, you'll, you'll learn. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to pick up on some stuff if you watch a Spo team or, or Quinn Snyder, whatever it is. So that's something I'd encourage those guys. And I'm not saying don't watch college because college is great. You, the stuff you can learn from college, stuff you can learn from international, but there right now, you know, those guys are getting paid a lot of money and they're, they're the best at what they do. Um, so I really would encourage guys watching NBA, particularly the defense side of the ball offensively. I really think in that, and we're getting really off tangent here, but the elite players in the NBA, the offense players, they've gotten too good on to a certain extent. And like there's a certain point where it's like the heliocentric style of offense where it's like, you know what, frankly, like Portland shouldn't be running any offense. They should be just putting Damon Lillard in the middle of the floor. And cause he can shoot him 40 feet. They got to guard him out there and he's really quick and athletic. And now play, if they play with spacing, like that should happen. You know, that's good coaching. It's, it's doing that 30 straight times in the fourth quarter, throughout the third, fourth quarter. So um, 
but particularly the defense and watch those situations, watch the NBA stuff, watch the international stuff. And there's so much, man, that, you know, there's so much good stuff out there on the internet. Steal, man, steal like an artist, steal, steal, steal. There's nothing, Jay, I'm telling you, I'm going to say today that I came up with my own, everything was stolen from some book or some, uh, I'm telling you right now, maybe, you know, maybe some stuff from my experiences. Maybe, maybe I can try to give one original thought at some point from my experiences. Yeah, no, for sure. And especially with these playoffs, I think we're all excited to kind of dive in and see. I just took a sideline out of bounds and Steve Kerr ran in that, that playoff game or the, yeah. the playing game. Um, but Coach hey, Harbaugh with the flat tire, we're, we're missing Nick. We're missing the Knicks Hawks right now. But yeah, fine. no, for sure. We'll try to, we'll try to catch that, uh, that ending at least. Um, so, you know, Coach, you obviously, you know, like us students of the game, love basketball uh, your entire life. At what point in your life did you kind of know coaching is what you want to do? And like, kind of, how did you navigate getting into your first chance and how that your relationship with basketball kind of started? So a couple of things. One is, I think, when did I first know? I think I first knew when I was first impacted by coaches. And I think that's, you know, I think at the core of everything we do, if you're doing it the right way, you at some point felt in your life impact and how a good coach can make your chest swell and feel really good about yourself. Or, you know, he taught you how to do something, you went out and executed that and that feeling you capture. So I think early on, like it clicked, you know, I felt it a little bit. Now, I don't know if I was necessarily ready to admit that. And, and I wasn't a good player and I went on to college and I think I had an idea I would stumble into it, but I don't know if I necessarily had the self-esteem or the confidence to say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, but I ended up kind of stumbling into basketball officer for him. I, I think I had a feeling I was going to do it that way. And I remember like early on when I was in high school, Lawrence Frank leads the Nets, the NBA finals, two straight years. Um, I might not have that right. Or he ends up becoming the head coach of the Nets. And I remember reading his path. It was like, oh, he didn't play. He was a manager. And like, boom, that clicked for me. Oh, maybe that's a path in. So my point is at some point during my time at Fordham, I just immersed myself. And I became a student manager. And it's funny. I went from zero to a hundred. Like I went from, walking in their office. And then two weeks later, I was working freaking 50 hours a week in there, just doing whatever those assistants would let me do. Uh, I was going to tackle. And I was like Tasmanian devil running around the office, trying to get as much stuff done as possible, writing letters to every coach I could. And my big break was one of our assistants at uh, Fordham. When I graduated, he landed on staff with Tim Cluse, who is this legendary high school division two coach on Long Island. And when I tell you, Tim Cluse was a master coach I mean he was a master at it he just co he coached for so long and never been assistant in his life so he just was so good at coaching and such innovative ideas because of the pragmatic nature of being a head coach he arrived at some of these concepts he arrives at playing spacing he arrived at playing more shooters um he arrived at a lot of these things well before others just because he was trying to find, find a way to to beat St. Anthony you know his crosstown rival and I landed on staff there at Iona College to make him 30 $3,400. Uh, I remember telling my parents about it. And uh, I said, I was making 3,400. My mom said, that's not a bad, you know, it's not great, but it's a decent salary for New York city. You can, you can make, you can make that work on 3,400. You, you can make that work on 3,400 a month. No mom, that's 3,400 for the year. Oh, pin drop. You know, they just, they just plunk down 250 to have their son go to Fordham and hopefully go into law school. Not, not going to happen. I'm going to try this coaching thing. Uh, glorified gym teacher but essentially they encouraged me to chase my dreams and um, you know all my aunts and uncles wondering when I was going to get a real job they just quieted down and said you know he's chasing his passion and you know what I was fortunate man I only really grinded it in terms of pay because that, that's half of it man like half of it is like how long can you take not making any money before you break in and how do you not get bittered by that so my point is I really only had to grind it from graduating college 
to like FDU. In uh, FDU, I made real money for the first time. I was 2013. That was three years. I, I don't, I'm sure you guys have fought that a little bit. I know there are guys, I have friends in this business that I, you know, that are as old as I am that never really made it. When I say make it too, just so I know, there are so many of my Fordham buddies laughing at my salary right now. I could be making a hell of a lot more money doing something else with a Fordham salary, but the worst day in coaching beats the best day doing anything else. And I, if you love what you do, man, you never work a day in my life. And I truly, I don't think I've ever worked a day in my life. I mean, freaking, I was out there rebounding for, you know, Division One players. Hey, I, I got to pinch myself every now and then. Yeah, I love it, Coach. That's awesome. So, so what? So you get on at Iona. What were some of your responsibilities and your role there while while you uh, while you spent a couple of years my, there? It was just everything on the sun. Yeah. Um, Tim Coolis loved to practice a little bit. <laughs> Uh, you know, he played for, uh, he played for a guy, um, Frank Morris, who, uh, Rick Pitino modeled a lot of his program after Rick Pitino didn't play for him. Billy Donovan played for Frank Morris at St. Agnes. Rick Pitino played for the cross on rival, but a lot of what Frank Morris did, Rick Pitino modeled his program after him. The, the joke is that the NCAA 20 hour re- a week rule is really the Pitino rule because it was put in to regulate him. So, Coach loved to practice. He loved to break down practice, loved to stat practice. Um, he loved to have guys get in the gym rebounding, so, shooting. So, I, I mean, I was, you know, professional rebounder after that year. I was, you know, trying to busy myself, immerse myself, and try to get involved with as much of the recruiting within the rules that I could. Um, I was – we didn't have a video coordinator, so I was breaking out. I was cutting all the games, pre-scout stuff, and I was I was having the time of my life because I'd spent three years in the foreign basketball office trying to get it, immerse myself as much. And now all of a sudden it was like, I was drinking water from a fire hose and I was, you know, I was in charge of academics travel. I mean, I, I had a million things on my plate and I was making $3,400 and guys, I was sleeping in the office, uh, 75% of the nights. And, you know, when I wasn't, I was living in a basement, uh, I'm sorry, an attic of a friend's grandmother, um, living in her attic. And I was making $3,400 working my tail off and loving every second of it did you, did you have any other jobs now nah. uh you know what there was a there was a there was a there's a high school coach in town who uh would allow me to pick up bar backing shifts and i would do that a couple of times a week but i just kind of willed it and you know what i'm not like and i'm not actually gonna admit it to i'm fortunate I, I i don't come from i, I come from a middle-class family my parents uh so i'll never be able to repay them for they took care of some stuff for me. They paid my rent some months and Frank, you know, frankly, mama B, Miss Blaney, um, a couple times would say, you know, especially like I remember on December, I said, Hey, here's my, uh, here's my rent for a month of December. And she says, no, you gave it to me yesterday. And I said, uh, we were in Buffalo yesterday. She said, no, you gave it to me yesterday. Give me that check. I cashed it. You're good to go. It's the check's been cashed. And I'm an idiot. And I'm like, well, no, I, I wasn't. And she goes, you gave me the check yesterday. And like, that's the stuff. And like, you know, you guys have grinded before, you know, that like, or Tim, like giving me 40 bucks and fill up your gas tank. I mean, like that, that's stuff to make your day. So uh, I did. And I just kind of made it work a little bit and work my, work my tail off with camps in the summers and just try to make it work a little bit. But also I'm not going to lie. I I had help along the way. Um, I got a lot of help along the way. You're going to hear that constantly throughout the story is, and that's why I really try to do, I, I try to help as many young coaches as possible because I know I got a ton of it. I mean, to be honest, none of us, you know, we, you know, I haven't really made it yet. I'm just saying like, you can't even get started without any help from other people, unless you're like a former NBA player or something, your name pulls some stuff, but guys who leave college and are just normal guys like us, like you can't possibly do it by yourself anymore. It's too competitive and, you know, things like that. You need help. So 
you know, coach, so you spend some time at Iona. Then now you say, you, as you said, you got, you finally got to a place where you're making a little bit of money. You go to Fairleigh Dickinson. How did that transition kind of happen? And like, walk us through maybe more of the in-between time, like where, like in between those two jobs that kind of led you to get to there. If yeah. So uh, a couple of things. One, I spent a year at Iona making 3,400. Uh, crazy scenario. I, I'm supposed to go to USC, NCAA thing. Crappy deal. Nothing of my own fault. They make a bogus ruling. I end up without a job. And so now all of a sudden, I don't even have my, I don't even have my $3,400 job from Iona because, you know, they, Tim filled it. So, and Tim's like, hey, listen, like, I'll figure out how to make it work with camp or whatever, you know, but um, Rob Kennedy helped me out and offered me a job with Hoop Group, um, really helped me because that allowed me to build connections in the AU circuit and with, with recruiting. And here's a big point I always make to kids, uh, to young coaches. Going from support staff to on-the-road recruiting, I'm not going to say it's not hard, but the hardest part of that is convincing someone you're ready to go from a sports staff to on the road recruiting. But there right now, if you work at it, if you have some social dynamic, if you're socially dynamic and you're not a stiff, you're gonna find a you're gonna find a way to figure out recruiting. Am I am I am I am I saying you're gonna roll up and all of a sudden be ace recruiter on your staff? Not necessarily. But my point is the hardest thing is convincing someone, hey, that guy's ready. Because I understand, man, I'm, I'm, I mean, when Tim, you know, because ultimately what I, my point is, I went from Iona, director of recruiting, some BS role, to work for the Hoop Group. And then Tim brought me back as an assistant. My point is, what allowed, what convinced him that I was willing to do it, one, I, he knew I worked my butt off. But also, what convinced him to do it is like, he, I spent a year getting a chance to build relationships with AU coaches. So my point is, that's the hardest thing. Now, the, I'm not giving you a secret to say, here's how you convince someone to do it. Ultimately, that's what you got to do. But understand anyone listening to this as a director of ops saying, I don't know, I'm, you know, once again on the road, am I going to be able to know what I'm doing? Yes, you will. Just work your butt off, have a, have a feel, have a way to talk to people, work hard, and you're going to figure it out. So my point is I end up back at Iona. Now, again, the money's not exactly right. And I break a rule that I would say to everyone else. And this is hard because I just was talking about trying to make ends meet. Do not make a money based on move. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Do not make a move based on money in your first seven years of coaching. Don't do it. I did it. We'll get into it. I screwed up. I went for my own of FDU and it was tough. I, I, I was making $18,000. I get offered 54000 which is literally three times the, the, the plus a car stipend. I took it. You know, I, I said, heck yeah. I wish I had you know, ultimately you got to align yourself with, um, and Tim, and that's nothing against the opportunity I had after you because it was a great opportunity. It was great. Um, but Tim Cluse was an offensive genius and we were rolling, we were winning. Why would I leave that? And I, I kicked myself to this day. And that's frankly, guys, that, to be honest, that's pretty raw. I'm pretty honest. And that's just my take on it. As I look back on my career, that's something I, I frankly, um, wish I'd played my hand a little differently. So that's an advice. I, but I, I understand it's hard too, because I'll tell you right now, $18,000, no benefits trying to make it work in New York city. I mean, when I tell you I lived in a crappy place in the Bronx, Oh my God, this place is crappy. I mean, it got to a point where my car was broken into so many times. It was just like expected to be broken in. Just don't leave anything in there. And it's on you. If you're, if you're, if you, if you leave anything in there. And like, I remember one time I was, uh, there was a, there was a toll you need to pay to go to uh, work. I remember I, uh, I got in my car in the morning and I, I 
pull, I, I start driving, I, I go to pull. And again, it was at the point where I was leaving nothing in there. I go to pay the toll and I reach down and, and my cup's empty. And I was like, you guys took my change. Come on. Uh, and like, that was just kind of the area we were living in, but it was great. Again, having a blast doing it, but ultimately, you know, it's tough making that work. And I, I get off of that money and I, I did it. And ultimately the, the advice I would give someone is hold off, you know, make sure, you know, really it comes down to, uh, you want to be around winning and are you around guys that can stimulate your growth and can uh, stimulate your progress a little bit through coaching. And it's not easy. It's not black and white. So you gotta, you gotta figure it out a little bit. That's insightful uh, advice coach. I appreciate that. Um, so, and then you spend a year at Fairleigh Dickinson and then you get on as an assistant coach at Maine. Can you talk, talk us through that transition between those two yeah, jobs? So and chance, to go, chance to go back home. Bob Walsh, the guy that we had met, uh, he got the main job. I had met him years ago when I was a high school student. I remember my high school coach marched me up to him, introduced me. We we're at Providence College team camp, marched me up to him and said, this guy's going to be college coach. You know, I want you to meet him, Coach Walsh. And so that was in 2004. And so, you know, now we, it wasn't until like 2008, we connected again through Hoop Group. Well, we had known each other for about six years and he got the job at University of Maine. It was my home state, chance to go back and spend some time in my home state. Um, and Bob was a guy that I just loved. And you know what? It didn't work as well as we needed to. Um, we didn't win enough games. Um, uh, you know, we got hit by, you know, it's the reality. We got hit by the transfer bug. Um, Maine's a tough job. I don't think it's, I, I really think, um, Ted Hotel and the head coach of New Haven Division Two, who's one of the most brilliant. I think he's one of the best basketball minds, and these guys, huge mentor of mine. He always says it's never been harder to win at hard jobs than it is right now because of that transfer market. My point is, we did a good job recruiting. We just we weren't able to keep those guys there. And, and frankly, you know, the first year we really inherited a bad roster. Second year we had added freshmen to it, but it, it's tough, man. There's two people in college basketball that win with freshmen. One's named John Calpari, one's named with Coach K. And understand they're playing with a lot of different freshmen than we all are. So my point is, we didn't win enough of that sophomore year. And at some point, these guys look around saying, "Wait, I could go from Maine, which is." I mean, when I tell you, I mean, go look on a map where University of Maine is and they have a chance to go to VCU, Colorado State, South Carolina, you know what they did. Um, so we didn't do a good enough job, but I'll say this. I learned so much from Bob during those two years there. He was one thing I really respect about Bob is he felt it was part of his duty as a coach to grow and develop his young coaches. And man, he doesn't need to do that, but he felt like that was part of his job. And it was awesome. You know, I'll say this wasn't always fun because he bring you in on, uh, and goes, all right, like you'd, you'd present a scouting report and walk in, he'd have, you know, he'd be like, hey, come on into my office, have this piece of paper out. And he'd be like, um, all right, so you you said um 34 times. Um, you said, uh, you know, you, you said a kid was righty, you know, but you likes to go left and you didn't make a point about it. My, my point is he would coach you. It was awesome. And it made me a better coach. And he would, he, he pushed me into starting pick and pop and he pushed me into all this type of stuff. You know what, frankly, he also told me when it was, when he felt uh, what's line from the heat, from heat, when he felt the heat coming around the corner and I got an opportunity at Army, he was like, hey, dude, should probably do that. Like, which selfless because he kind of felt it coming. He kind of felt, hey, we might not be long here. You should, you need to take care of yourself. So, like, Man, I wish everyone had Bob Walsh. Every young coach had a Bob Walsh in their career. And my hope is to give some of that back to the young coaches I'm around and I work with and that I that I develop the relationship with. No, that's that is great. And you know, not everybody's fortunate to work for someone like that, even in their entire career. So that's 
that's good that that happened. And so we've all worked for those tough bosses. We don't need to say my name. We've all worked for those. <laughs> so you mentioned pick and pop, and obviously this was something that we were going to bring up throughout the podcast. But can you kind of touch on that, like why you started it yeah. and, yeah. and what it's grown into and what it started yeah. as? Why, why, why I started? I'll be very upfront. Self promotion, hundred percent self promotion. Um, I try to do that in the most. Oh, you! Uh, I'll give credit to my Jewish mother, most kosher way possible, because I understand it, it can't be seen as self-promotion. So I try to go out of my way as much as I can to share it. But frankly, why I started it was I need to develop a niche. Do you know how many random 27 year mid twenties white dudes that weren't good players? You know how many there are in college basketball? I mean, man, like you need to create that niche for yourself. And Tom Crean, when I was a manager um, at Fordham, we had a conversation and that was something he said to me, he goes, you know, everyone says recruit, recruit, recruit. You understand you need to recruit, but understand like, you know, you also got to look at who you are and you got to figure out like how you're going to separate yourself. And he said, one way to separate yourself is you got to watch film. You got you to like, you can, you, there's basketball guys. There's, there's a space in our profession for guys that think deeply about the game that can get players better and that know the game, but understand they don't just happen. So you got to take your development into your own hands and you got to work every day. You got to be very intentional about your growth in that area. And, and he developed me and, and he, and so he said that to me and I said, and he said, you got to watch an hour film every day. And I'm telling you right now in the 13 years since that conversation, I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know if I've missed 10, 15. One, I love to do it. So if you don't love to do it, man, like it's just going to be awkward. And I actually say that like, not like, you got to be a grinder. I'm just saying like, if you don't love to, if you don't love this stuff, man, you're just never going to be, you're never going to get as good as you need to be because it's such a competitive industry. So like, if you're not fanatical about it, I would start thinking about maybe my point is maybe that doesn't match up with the job you're at right now. And now maybe it's like, all right, I need to put in my time to make it work to get to the job where I can be fanatical about my work. Or maybe you sit there and say, Hey, maybe if what you love to do is pull that whistle and have kids circle you, go be a high school coach. Because understand at 23, you know how far away you are from doing that when you're, a, you know, when you, you know, you're the fourth assistant at a division X program, you know, how far away you are from blowing a whistle, having a good circle. You so go do what you want to do. Go, go be a high school coach. There's nothing like high school coaches impact more guys every year than I will in my career. Like, so, um, pick and pop self-promotion. All right. But I had to do it in the best way possible. Bob was great with that. He encouraged me to do it. And so my point was I wanted to give back some of what I got from the game. All right. That's kind of the answer. I would, but like in truth, uh, there's a self-promotion aspect to it, but I wanted to, what I wanted to do is one, it really helped me organize my, my growth, my, my development and the, all the work I was putting in. So I was simply said, Hey, let me put that out there for others to see. And I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to be paranoid about like, Oh, they'll get, Hey, understand this. There's glory in digging that ditch. Like, if I put if I put a 35 second edit together, I understand there's so much I culled from watching all that film prior. So I'm not, I'm not concerned with like someone else getting credit or or benefiting from that. Uh, it gave me a chance to develop my niche as a, as a coach. That was self promotion aspect. There's a little bit too is it allowed me to build relationships with coaches without me necessarily working at it. In in terms of like I'm trying to build a relationship with that coach. So I'm telling you right now, man, once a month. All we all do it as call it. We call, we'll, we'll cold call coach buyers from middle of nowhere in a state I've never even been to, and I'll call him and he'll rush me off the phone. He's like, "Yeah, his kid's got three mid major plus offers, and he's just trying to get me off the phone." I know it, and we'll hang up, and I'll text him. I and I'll say, "Hey, coach, appreciate the time, Zach Robert. 
uh, Indiana State and I'll hang up and, you know, I'll, I'll send the text, put my phone down. All of a sudden my phone buzzes 30 seconds later. It's him. It's Coach Byers calling me again. Pick it up. Coach. Oh, shoot, man. I didn't realize that's how you pronounce it. Hey, well, all right. So you go to, you run the pick and pop, right? So I'm telling you right now, it happens once a month. And he's like, all right, here's the deal. All right. So I think you can get involved. Now you got to beat this goal. And all of a sudden he'll be a lot more helpful because my point is he thinks we have a relationship because we, it's again, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's a part of it like, it's working when you're not necessarily, and it's allowed me to expand my network. So why did I do it? Really self-promotion, but there's an aspect of, can it help me develop relationships? And can it also give back? Because I understand there's nothing up there that I haven't stolen. So it's really about, hey, I, I like this concept. And then um, I want to put it forward for other people to learn. And I try to do it in a way to not make it as much about me as possible. My, I mean, my name's on that website, one spot, in that, in my, uh, and it's on my Twitter in one spot. I really try to refrain from eyes. It's really, I try to overdo credit. I really try to over attribute, hey, I got this concept from this coach or this assistant coach at this school, you know, gave me an idea about, hey, look at this concept from this team. And I really try to go out of my way to do that as much as possible because I understand. And frankly, there's a job I didn't, I, I didn't get because the, high, the, the head coach thought I was a self-promoter. Now, you know, is he wrong? I, I think so, because I think I try to do it. I, I don't, I try not to make it about me, but I don't know, maybe there's a part of me that, I mean, I started wide, I start picking pop self-promotion, but I try to do it in the best way possible is what kind of my long-winded answer. I got to get off these answers too, uh, too quicker. I'm, I'm spending too much time. No, coach, here. you're killing. I haven't, I haven't let you guys get a word in yet. No, you're absolutely killing it. We're not, we, we're not here to get words in. Um, but can you talk about, so you mentioned kind of like carving out a niche for yourself. Uh, yeah. And that advice that you got from Tom Crean, yeah. um, can you kind of expand on that a little bit more in terms of like, not just necessarily you, but maybe advice for young guys trying to like find out who, like what kind of niche that they could carve out for themselves or how they could stick out kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the biggest thing is I think you got to be a little self-aware because you got to get to your program and you're, if you're that bottom guy on the ringer, you got to, you got to take a month, you got to take a couple months and you got to step back and say, all right, how can I make myself indispensable? And what it is at Northern Kentucky, what it is East Central, what is East Indiana State might be three different things. Because there, you know, there might be guys that dominate one thing at one program and then something slacking. So you got to say, you got to be looking to fill in gaps. So the first thing is, you got to make yourself indispensable at your job. You got to make it where if, when they're trying to cut positions because of COVID, your boss saying, oh, hang on. No, 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 no. We can't touch Jay. Jay does this, 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 and this for me. And really, sometimes, you know, the express divisional level, sometimes the head coach is so at the lunch, it's the assistant saying, oh, hey, coach, coach, no, hang on. Like, we got to make sure he's taking care of why, because he does this, this, and this within our program. So my point is, the first thing is, before developing any kind of niche yourself, you got to be elite, you got to dominate your responsibilities, and you got to keep trying to grab more and more and more, all right? You got to dominate. So, but it starts with you sitting there saying, all right, let me zoom out. What's missing in this program? How can I help with? So, like, I hate to do it because it has nothing to do with coaching. If you're a young coach trying to get into coaching, why don't you know Photoshop? And I hate to do it because it's probably not why you got into coaching, but I'll tell you right now, you're, um, what, what's the line from Goodwill Hunting when Ben Affleck's sitting there and he's, he goes, you're, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. He goes, you know, the chances of you, you know, acquiring my services would be, would be greatly increased if I had $80 in my pocket or whatever. But my point is your chance of getting on a college staff would be greatly increased if you knew how to freaking run Photoshop. Now, pause. It's stupid. I mean, I, I, like, but it's the reality. It's the reality of business. But maybe, so for me, here's a good example. I get to Fordham. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a manager. 
All right. We have a female director ops. All right. Who doesn't want anything to do with basketball, which is fine. She just, that was her state. And we didn't have a film. We didn't have a video coordinator. So all of a sudden it was like, wait, these assistants are cutting up their own film. They are so overworked. It's incredible. So it was like, teach me how to do sports good. So I'm telling you that first year, all I did was sports code, video exchange, sports code. And then all of a sudden I get to summer and guess what? Division one schools aren't allowed to work with their players in the summer. So then it was like, oh crap, I'm the only guy that can do any kind of workouts. So when I told you I watched every Kevin Eastman, every Kevin Boyle, every Mike Procopio DVD there was, I learned, I watched it and I memorized it and I would go up there and just literally just repeat and not repeat what they said running these workouts. And I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but you know what? Beat the alternative because there's no one else that could run workouts. So my point is I zoomed out and said, I need to dominate film exchange. I need to figure out this video system and I need to figure out workouts. And then you just kind of fill in gaps a little bit. And and obviously there were manager responsibilities. So the first thing is you got to dominate responsibilities. And then you got to say, where do I want to get to? All right, this is Tim Kite right here. Where do I want to get to? What position do I want to hold? What skills do I need to do I need to have to get to that in that position? And then what are my habits that I need to build, develop on what are my daily habits I need to develop to acquire those skills? So boom, it's where do I want to get to? What skills do I need to have? What habits do I need to have to develop those skills? Boom, that's your answer. So as I zoomed out, again, Tom Crean influenced me. You want to be a basketball guy? All right separate yourself that way. How do you do it? You are, what are my daily goal? What, what are my daily habits? My daily habits watching film. All right. How do I do that? Eh, you know what? Dick Whitmore, division three coach at Colby. Terrific, unbelievable basketball mind. And, and I went to his basketball camp. I literally was involved with his basketball camp for 11 straight years as a player, a counselor, and then as a coach. And one thing he'd said, he gives me this, uh, oh, shoot, they're in, they're in my car. I wish I had them. He gave me this marble notebook. You guys all know what I'm talking about. It's what you use in science class. It was kind of this size, but it was marble. And he said, just buy one and start writing down what you see. And that's what Tom Crean, Tom Crean kind of said, write down what you see. And then Dick Whitmore said, I'll buy one of these notebooks and just start writing it down. And I would, I would, I, I got these diagram sheets and I'd cut out the diagram sheet. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd add a glue, glue stick. I'd tape, I'd, I'd glue it in there and I'd have, uh, you know, it just literally, it was whatever I saw. And I, I, guys, I had no idea what I was doing in the, you know, it was before Synergy too. It's gotten so much easier. So my thing is guys just start doing it. Just ready, ready, aim, ready, fire, aim, just go, just start watching film, figure it out as you go. It shouldn't be efficient. It's, you should micromanage it. You should be sloppy. You should just go and do it. And frankly, if you're bored by it, it's probably not for you. If, and so maybe it's another niche, maybe, maybe the niche you build is, you know, every single coach in the state of Oklahoma, because you love talking on the phone, you love building those relationships. Maybe that's what it is, but you got to figure out a niche. So it starts with where do you want to do or what skills could you have? All right. And then what are the daily habits you have to develop those skills for me? It was become a basketball guy. Cause I felt I could develop that niche. All right. How do I do that? I really know the game. How do I know? How do I develop that? I watch an hour film every day. I really stay. I really spend time studying game and, and watching coaches and really studying the art of coaching. And so, you know, a lot of these guys too, especially like for me, my first year as a GA, I was like overwhelmed by Where like, were you? I, was, I was at Northern Kentucky. All right, yeah, and yeah. so I finished playing at a division two school, you know, whatever turn. Now I'm on the coach's side. And like, at first I'm like, Oh shoot. Like, this is just like, I was like, I'm all in. I love it. I work hard or whatever, but like time management, but for me at the beginning was like, I was there for too long not yeah. being smart with my time. So for well, you, the problem too is you're not running your own schedule, just so you know, because when, when, when the second assistant needs you to like, boom, yeah. like, through your own schedule. And that's where really, and that's what's tough and elites the long hours is you got to figure out 
that start of the day and end of the day. And you got to really kind of don't like, you got to take care of some of that because you know, at 9am everyone walks in and all of a sudden it's no longer your time because yeah. you're at the mercy of who, whatever priorities that top assistant or the second assistant or the third assistant needs, they are like, they, you're, you're at their beck and call. So I understand that. Go on. My, yeah. I didn't mean to you off. Well, I was just talking to our video guy about that today. Like we have a new GA and we're kind of like showing him the ropes or whatever. And we're like, you know, if you need anything, if you like have a checklist of items that you need to get done, you just better get a majority of them done before anybody else gets here because yeah, then, then you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but anyway, just like for your own, like, sk- like when you were a young guy and you're at the mercy of other people, how did you time manage and like, what were some things you would do just to kind of help these young guys, maybe guys who aren't even in understand like what this thing's actually like. And when you are doing things on top of coaching, yeah. like you're doing pick and pop, like, how are you kind of balancing your day to make sure you are 100 at your job and doing what you need to do but also work on your pick and pop stuff yeah so a couple things so one, one thing is you can you again you can use both ends of the day a little bit so uh early in my career I, I was in a really early morning office guy um and i would get in early and i really my my kind of rule a little bit was if i was the only one in there i, I could work on myself a little bit I could do whatever I wanted to do if I wanted to watch 200 possessions of the Utah Jazz offense I could do that um if I wanted to no I, I need to kind of keep an eye on like what was I going to be able to get my responsibilities in and maybe there were different parts of this year and the season as we went but like my point is you know if we're in the off season and I'm the only one in there and it's it's 5 45 and 6 a.m you know if I want to watch shoot if I want to throw my feet up and watch the office I can do that. If I want to, you know, watch 200 possessions of the Utah Jazz, if I want to read a book, I can do that. Now, ultimately, kind of how you spend your free time kind of directs your your success and your ascension in this industry. So oftentimes it was less office, more 200 possessions of Utah Jazz or reading a book, whatever it was. So that's a good kind of thing. My, my rule was as soon as someone else showed up, it was boom, lights were on and I need to work on I own a basketball or FDU basketball, whatever it is. That's a good rule of thumb. The other thing is I'm going to go back and it's so hard, man. If, if it feels like work and it's grinding, it's tough, but like I go home, there's nothing else I want to do other than like watch film. And so like, there's a little bit of like, I kind of found my way into that. And I want to say, you're talking to a guy doesn't have kids, doesn't have hobbies. So like, kind of not the guy you should talk to for life, life balance. Like I'm going to kind of like the, what's the opposite of an expert. So I don't know, like, I don't have a great answer for that, but um, there's one other place I wanted to get with it. My, again, it goes back to like what I said earlier, what daily habits do you have to develop those skills you want? So be intentional with that stuff. Like my point is if you want to read more books, all right, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? And like, I think it should start with your success is found in your daily agenda. So you're saying you want to read more books. All right. Five days a week. Cause again, don't say every day say five days a week, because it allows you to say five days a week, I'm going to read 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, maybe it's 10 minutes a day. Maybe, you know, but maybe it's and maybe for you, maybe it is you can do it every day and make it a habit, but like, give yourself some wiggle room, say five days a week, I'm going to read 20 minutes a day, say five, you know, six days a week, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch, um, I'm going to watch 100 possessions of, of a team. Uh, like, so it should start with your daily, daily habits of like, this is what I'm going to do every single day. And so I think of zoom out. What do you want to get better at? All right. What are you going to do every day to develop that habit? Maybe it's send five handwritten notes every day. Maybe it's, maybe it's watch, uh, you know, with, you know, with the recruits being on the huddle, maybe it's watching uh, a kid's cut-ups, um, 
you know, three kids cutups of two games each. So that maybe you're watching, you know, again, you're watching Jeremiah Smith's two games, you know, uh, on Monday and you're watching, you know, Malcolm Roberts, two games on Monday, you're watching his cutups and whatever, maybe it's not his full game, but it's cutups. And then on Tuesday, you're watching three more different guys two, you know, two games, each of them, whatever it is, create it, you know, create daily habits that, and build those up. Yeah. What, what, what was the quote with uh, Aristotle? He said, success is not, uh, an act, but it's a habit. I can't, I probably just totally, no, you, know, you, you know, absolutely. You know what no, that's, no, that's what it is. And like, like John Wooden success is found in your daily agenda, or don't tell me what you want to do in a year from tell me what you can do tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. Like that's right. like, you know, we can come up with all kinds of ones with uh, the, the best day, the, the best, I mean, we can, I mean, we, we can, we can become like a John Maxwell Twitter account, but like the best day to grow a tree to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best day is time today. Like, like so like it should start with what you do every day and then you know kind of that should align like your habits match your mission um is what you're doing every day match with what you say you want to do so right well coach recruiting question here so you're at army for uh five years um oh that'll teach you how to recruit (laughs) can you talk to us about and, and maybe it's this is for the you know the young d3 assistants d2 nai assistants um you know, it's a different place to recruit to, and you you've got a specific. You know, guys have allergies; you can't you can't look at them and stuff like that. So that's kind of more of a unique thing. But like, um, can you talk to recruiting to a school and knowing that right fit for the school, the coach, and you know, et cetera? Like, what what's your yeah, approach there? Yeah, and that's a, Army was great at that, and it's a masterclass in recruiting and handling volume of recruiting, and also telling a story because. There's a way, I'll tell you, like, there's a way to pitch West Point to every kid. You can, I, really, I literally think you can pitch West Point to every kid. Now, is he ready to join the Army for five years? Maybe not. But, like, my point is, like, there's so many cool things about that place. There's a way I can sell it to every kid. There's, and, and you know, coaching friends of mine have really, like, kind of, Army will really make sure you're, like, because if you don't go in there with a plan, you don't go in there with an articulated message, you're like kids are nope because they walk in they hear army and they hear they think of a dude crawling through the jungle or a tank rolling through the desert so like you better come in with like an idea of like no hang on that's not what it is and you have an articulate but you have power phrases and you have a way to sell that place so the biggest thing is you got that's got to be intentional you got to think about that and i think it's not right away but after a year of being around army i said all right this is what this place is a little bit this is how i can sell it to a kid this is how i can might be able to tailor the message to a kid that maybe is more about this or more about that or like again you can but you can package it in a way but you got to make sure that's airtight and as power phrasing and you got to be ready to get told no a ton because man you're gonna make a ton of calls and that's what you do at the division three level that's what you do at army the service academies you get told no a ton and you're just your your list needs to be bigger your your net's bigger and you, you get a bet you better get your b list ready because those the kids you love understand their other schools love them too and when it when when it comes down to it they're going to choose a school that they don't need to go serve in the army for five years that being said um there's nothing that was better for my development than my five years spent at army work for coach allen um i will uh part of part of west point will be a proud part of me the rest of my life um it's the professional highlight of my of, of my life um getting chance to spend time around that place with those people um i i am i hope you you can hear my voice i mean of the pride i have of working at that school and and being a part of something that embodies what they embody i mean 
unbelievable five years. Can't say enough about it. A tough place to leave, man. And, and I guess that was my next question, you know, <clears throat> part of your career path. Now you just came to Indiana state with coach shirts. What, what like made this place so enticing for you? And, you know, on the flip side, you know, what was so hard to, I'd obviously you just, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think I touched on it a little bit. It was, it was a special place. And I, I mean, those you, I mean, when you, it's an incubator of excellence. So you, I mean, the people you deal with, it's just the freaking elite, just the top of the line. You look to your left elite, look to your right elite, elite. Um, that's what made it so tough. Ultimately, what drew me to Indiana State was, uh, you know, there's a little bit of change. Uh, you know, I, I want, there's a, I have an idea of continuous growth and trying to be developed and be the best I can be. And um, I wanted, I wanted a change. And I, I, I developed a relationship with Coach Shirts um, six years ago, sitting next to each other at a Boston Celtics practice, the product of me never turning down a basketball opportunity, which is another piece of advice I would give young coaches. Kevin Eastman gave that to me, never turned down a basketball opportunity. I was up in Orono, Maine. I drove down after practice, stayed, uh, I'm sorry, I, we practiced on Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon. I drove down first thing in the morning on Sunday, four and a half hours to go to Celtics practice. Happened to be sitting next to a guy. Um, I said, hey, kind of look familiar. And we introduced ourselves to Josh Schertz and he had, he had built a great program at Lincoln Memorial. We watched practice, we went to lunch and we developed a relationship, you know, and led to seven years later, him offering me a job or yeah, seven years later, him offered me a job. My point is, I didn't go down to that practice to do that, but that's what happens when you never turn down a basketball opportunity. Things come your way. So I developed a relationship with Coach Shirts, and I had just so much respect for the program he built at Lincoln Memorial and just his acumen. You know, he's got such a growth mindset. He wants to be better, and then he really knows offense. And I've been around this game long enough. Often, coaching offense is hard. Um, one, it starts a lot of times that you have some dudes. It's a lot easier to coach, but there's so much nuance. There's so much gray area. There's so much, it's not black and white. There's a little bit of defensively black and white. Get you guys in this spot, get them to play hard, make sure you're sound fundamentally and you're good. Offensively, it, it, there's really some nuance to it and there's some expertise. And frankly, I thought Coach Schertz's teams, uh, his Lincoln Moral teams were just so excellent offensively, for lack of better words. I, I want to be around it. And I talked so much about him on that side of the ball. I really want to see it kind of build up from, from day one. And that's, that's what drew me out here. It's a great program. It's a great conference. I mean, the Missouri Valley is a legit league. It's one of the 10 best leagues in the country. It's a great mid-major league. And that, that it's, an, it's an area that cares about basketball, loves basketball. So that, that's what drew me out here. Well, Coach, I'm super – I had a friend on the Lincoln Memorial staff. We both – Jay and I both did. Um, and he speaks super highly of Coach Schertz. And oh, guys, he's so good, man. He works so hard, and he's, he's so analytical. He's good. Yeah. He's, he's the real deal. Working for him for two months, I know this sounds like, you know, no one's going to come in here and trash their boss. I'm telling you guys, this is unbelievable. And that's where if anyone's listening to this and is within driving distance and wants to come watch practice, come on down. I'll tell you right now, you're going to be learning a ton from him. You know, we won't pick anything up from this guy, but you'll be learning a ton from him. Well, that's what I was actually kind of selfishly getting towards is I'd love to come up, I watch practice and studying like what, what he's been doing offensively for a little bit. Just get, with, get, get over here. I got an air mattress. I'll blow up from my compartment for you. So it's perfect. Um, a chance to experience Terre Haute. Woo. Yeah. Now, now can <laughs> don't you put your expectations too high there. I'm telling you. Right. So, so he, he's a guy that's been, was at Lincoln Memorial for whatever it was 10, 11 years, had crazy success. Um, and but always I've heard just as always, like you, like you mentioned, like he, he's a learner, like he's going to tr NBA training camps every single year, trying to find 
something they can add or change yeah. or tweak yeah. or whatever that is. Yeah. Like, and you've already hit on that a lot of just how important that kind of thing is. But like, you know, uh, I guess my question is like, you know, do you guys, I assume that, you know, the, the staff that he's compiled is kind of has those same values. It seems like you're a guy just like, no, and that's why I'm so excited. And we actually, Franco, we actually haven't all been together yet, believe it or not, just because we had one late change. And so we had a new coach come in, but our whole staff has been together. But I mean, I'm telling you that I'm so excited about this place because I'll tell you, he hired dudes that are better than me. And I can't wait to try to keep up with these dudes as they talk ball in my mind. I'm going to be like watching a tennis match going back and forth. I can't wait. And it's not about trying to be better than the next person, but it's just trying to, you know, challenge and say, you know, how high can we get this? But the staff he's assembled with Matthew Graves, Bryson Williams coming from the NBA, you know, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be, it's going to be dudes that love hoop and getting in there and without being protective of their idea and just saying, Hey, let's make the best idea win. And, let's see where we can go with this. And, you know, and how much I've learned from coach, even in the last two months uh, being out here has been awesome. And I, I've, I've loved every second of it because again, he's just got such a curious way of like, well, what if, what if, it does, what if, what if, what if, what if, or is that the best way? And I, I think those people, if you can get someone in your life that is constantly asking what if, or saying, what if there's a better way, man, you know, keep them around because they'll make you better. And that's, I can't wait being here just because I think we're all going to get better as a result. And I think the product we create in terms of this program, I can't wait to see what it looks like. And coach, so now you're looking back on your career so far, You've gotten some unbelievable. Oh, you guys make me sad. <laughs> I used to be the young dude. It's crazy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm turning 33 now in, in a couple of weeks. And I, I like, all of a sudden people are talking to me like I'm old. I used to, I, I remember when I was like a young dude, like, so go, go on though. Yeah. I, I, you, I didn't mean to phrase I mean, it. I lost my hair like that long ago. So like, <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'm old. Um, so like you've just received a lot of great advice from people and, you know, whether that's, you know, through, you know, net, just like meeting people, connecting, writing letters, whatever you've done. But what's one thing you look back outside of the, you gave great advice about the seven years, no money. What's yeah. one thing you're like, shoot, like, I wish I had done that a little bit better or like, or that, I man, I didn't do a great job doing this when I was a young guy trying to yeah. make this thing work. My, 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 so you, you stole my first one. So I, that's what I would say is, you know, don't make a decision based on money never turned out a basketball opportunity. And then um, what did, what did I do a good job? All right. I'll, I'll give you this one. Like, so I was a freaking know-it-all and I probably, I mean, heck ask, ask these guys that work with me. I probably still am. I think I've done a better job with this, but I was so, because I didn't play, I was so like paranoid and insecure. And maybe it's like a little man syndrome of like someone, people thinking I didn't know what I was talking about that like I was so aggressive making sure everyone knew like what I want, how many possessions I watch, how much film I watch of that team. It ain't trench warfare, man. Just, just take a deep breath. Like not everyone's out here judging you have tact, have a feel like know your freaking role a little bit. No, you know, read the temp in the room. It's hard if you're socially awkward and you, you can't do that. But like, I would say like, just take a deep breath and just step back and treat people right. And, and it's not, not if it's a competition. I think that sometimes with the young coaches, they're so like, even within their own league, they're like, like even with other coaches in their league, like they're doing that, like he's like, you're good. Like you can like, 
you're going to subway ask him if he wants anything like you're good like i don't know like like the older assistant on the staff doesn't hate you he might but i don't know act like he doesn't and like like treat him right and like don't just try to rub it in his face how much film you watch because i don't know that, does that make sense jay i don't know like, no that makes sense. makes sense max i don't know that's yeah. that's kind of where i that's where i would go with that those are kind of four things i would say is never turn down a basketball opportunity uh don't make a move based on money in your first seven years um and, and you know it, it ain't trench warfare so just relax yeah well coach so say say like you're be, you you know re well go in the time machine and you're much younger, you know, you're not, you're not an old man anymore. Don't worry about it. You're 17, 18, maybe 19, 20 in college, and you're not a part of a, a basketball program and you're done playing. Um, what, like, would you, so, you know, some guys want to go coach AAU. Some guys want to try to be a, a manager or camps. Like what would you be doing if you had your choice of, you know, your pick of like, what, how, how could I kind of crack this business if I wanted to be a college coach, what you know obviously and you've hit on some of those things like you were a manager yourself you know yeah um, what what are some like ne- like nowadays like what would you would you be coaching AAU I know a lot of guys are starting to do that would would you know get on at a program JUCO or somewhere where you can like so, really contribute or what I would do is I would try to go to the highest level possible and just do whatever they would let me do um it's something I kind of wish I had done. I wish I'd wish I'd spent time at the highest level. I tried to do at USC. I referenced it a little bit earlier. Um, I just think that's where stuff happens, and that's where you know you want to be in the place where stuff happens. And like, if it's now that's not easy. Those are jobs aren't easy to get. But if it's washing jock scraps at, at you know North Carolina, go for it. Do it because stuff happens there. People move. Those guys get hired. It creates opportunities. Now that's, you know, I, you know, so if I had to do it all over again, I, I don't know, maybe I would do it exactly like I did it because it worked out, but like, but also say like, I, and I just didn't know, like, I, I didn't, I didn't have any connections in college. So like, if I had to do it over again, I frankly, I probably would have gone to UConn and just because it's the highest level kind of close to my house. And I would have just done that um, because it just think about like, if you were at UConn and when I was in college, there's head coaches left and right at right there. And um, so I would say that go to get to the highest level you can. And I, I, I understand that's not where you're going to see the most, the most growth as a coach, but if you have that and you're, you're, you work at it, your growth's going to come from your intentional kind of what you do on the side. And, and so I'd say that, but like, if you really want to develop as a coach, you should just get a coach and be a head coach. And because if you look, the guys that, really think about the game differently and really have been innovative in the game they have one thing in common they were head coaches at an early age think about it for a second john beeline two guard offense right head high school coach age 23 never been an assistant in his life triple drive motion vance walberg high school coach age 24 never been was an assistant until he uh until uh umass or the sixers i forget um billy donovan head coach age 28 Marshall um think about it this way Sam and Gundy head coach in his late 20s you know in terms of bringing the spread pick and roll in there Mike D'Antoni never been an assistant in his life until you know just this past year um you know he's coach he's a head coach in Europe um literally we can go down the line you know Bob Knight head coach mid-20s uh 26 years old at Army so the guys that really think about the game differently are guys that again it goes back to like with Tim Clouse of being like pragmatic about like 
how can I be a little bit better tomorrow? How can we be a little bit better tomorrow than we were today? And like, that's like, you know, invent, you know, what is it? Uh, Necessity is the invention of the mother of invention. I don't know, something like that. But like, like think about it. There's two great ways to look at it. One, dribble drive motion started because Vance Wahlberg had a great point guard named Chris Hernandez, and I'm going to play at Stanford, who kept on dribbling up his five man's butt. And he got so sick of it. And he said, all right, hang on. And he said to his five man, Chris Hernandez is really good. So here's what you need to do. You need to run away from Chris Hernandez. You need to go in that short corner and wherever he's driving, you need to go opposite. So he would go in. So Chris Hernandez would be going down the right lane and that guy would circle to the left. He'd cut back and come back to his left. He would circle back to his right. That was dribble drive offense. I mean, so RPO, I'm going to get a little, I love football. RPO started because Glenville State was losing a game by 25 and the, 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 the quarterback takes it and goes and tries to hand the ball off, but he sees the guy already there and just yanks it from him. That running back gets tackled. He throws, he throws a ball right to a, a wide out that was right in the spot. Rich Rodriguez calls timeout. He goes, what, why did you do that? Well, and he goes, well, coach, he was about to get tackled. He goes, no, no, no. I just want to know like, what did you see? He goes, well, I read the, t- I read the defensive end and he was there. So I, I, I threw it over the top. I mean, that's RPO on the next 25 years. And again, that stuff is just like, it, it's almost the, you know, it just will sort of happen. So again, I don't know, I'm kind of contradicting myself. One, I said, go be a manager at the highest level and wash laundry. The other one, I said, if you really want to coach, just go get a head coaching job, go become the JV coach at your local high school of the guy that you think knows what he's doing. Go do that. Well, and I think you depends on what you want, depends on like what you love about coaching or in, and frankly, you know, for me, I really wanted to do it at the visual one level. And I was really, frankly, I was kind of willing to eat crap for X number of years. Cause I, I want to do it at this level. And I understand that if I was on another level, I could coach a lot more though. Jimmy Allen and my five years in army blessed me with an opportunity as he, he let me coach my butt off and he let me make mistakes and he would be like, eh. but he, he bit his tongue and let me coach. And that was, I'll never be able to repay him for that because he I got a chance to develop like few assistants do well coach I, I think I've been when Jay and I've talked to a bunch of young coaches and obviously you have to like you know say like go to UConn and be a manager and just do whatever they'll let you do I know a lot of guys I try to tell guys that because you know I would like to say that everybody in our business is an angel and treats everybody great uh when you're, you're the it's easy to feel like you're overlooked or you know not treated great or whatever like I hear a lot of guys like kind of getting burnt out and wanting to leave like can you talk about like having the grit as a young person in the pro and you've already kind of covered that but like do you see that a lot too I guess is what I'm asking yeah I do and it's it's uh, like I've been there because I'll talk to the guy and like I I know when he's at wit's end a little bit and he's frustrated because you know what He, he might do a heck of a job and like this thing isn't a meritocracy like you're doing a great job and like you're like just doesn't happen you don't know the right guy and you know what the and you're saying hey maybe it happens next year and the, the scary thing is sometimes it doesn't happen the next year and like i would just say it's not a meritocracy just keep grinding and you know try not to get bittered by it and it's tough because the money's not great the hours are tough and like you said sometimes you have bad bosses um so i, I would just try to find ways that you're developing yourself and you're marching towards what you want to do. Um, there's one other thing I kind of wanted to say. Um, um, 
I, with an understanding of when you're say a division two assistant um, and you get that break and you, you move to division one and you're division one assistant. Um, so maybe you left the division two school on Friday and you get to your office and you're, you get your new polo on your, you sit down at your desk on Monday. Understand you're, you're no better of a coach than you were on Friday. Like you're the same coach. So like, and frankly, my point is, on Friday, you were just as good of a coach as you were the next day. It just frankly, the cards played right, and you became a you became a you became a Division One assistant. So it's fine. Like you're you're the same guy. Like so. Um, the other thing is that with an understanding of it, it's not a race, man. Everyone runs their own race, and also it's better when you're running the race to be your best, not to be there first. So just run it with an idea of being better than you were the day before, and loving what you do, and. You, you, you know, who knows what happens when you get there, but if you kind of keep that aspect of it, you're not, you're not in this rat race where you're trying to like, just enjoy it and try to get better than you were the day before. And I know that sounds corny, but I think you would kind of keep an eye on that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that can help you. Yeah, no, coach, that's great. Um, and, you know, we don't want to take too much of your time up. No, I'm loving this. This is, this is fun. I, I'm loving this discussion. This has been great. For sure. And, you know, that's why we wanted to kind of open up the floor to you with one more, you know, open-ended question, you know, just thinking about young guys and, and you, you mentioned it at, or at the beginning of the episode, you wish you had something that could kind of help you when you were a young guy, try to figure yeah. out what's something you want to leave the young coaches with. Um, like you kind of just mentioned some stuff, but is there anything else you missed that you'd like to say? Yeah. I'm just trying to like, uh, I think that we've hit on it a little bit. Um, I think it would just be be intentional about what you're doing. And, and uh, because kind of, you know, Max kind of alluded to this. Don't, I don't think the guy above you, now you need to be loyal and you do a great job for him, but don't think he's got everything figured out. So you got to take your development into your own hands a little bit and spend time and study the game and read books and, and talk to other coaches and, and spend time with that stuff. Be intentional with your development. Take that into your own hands a little bit um that's that's a that's advice i would give someone because if you're at the if if you live at the mercy you just won't develop as much as you need to and that's that's not and that's not his fault either like you should you should be caring about that stuff there should be a certain part of your day or your week that you're dedicating to getting better as a coach well coach thanks a lot for for coming on the podcast you've given us a ton of food for thought uh and we can't thank you enough for coming on after a uh you know some car trouble we'll say yeah uh, so no, I appreciate you guys sticking with me. This was a lot of fun. And uh, one thing I want to do is I'll, uh, if anyone wants to reach out, my stuff's on the website, my email's on the website, and I'm actually going to give my phone number here. Uh, my cell phone is 845-905-2076. If any coach uh, listens to this and wants advice or has questions, uh, please reach out. Uh, 845-905-2076. Uh, my Twitter DMs are open, my, you know, both accounts, both my pick and pop net and my personal, um, and my, my email is up on the website and I'd love to help. And if anyone listening to this, ever wants to come watch practice, would love to have you. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that, I, I just want to throw that in there at the end. Coach, you're, you're going to get flooded. We got a ton of fans. I don't know if you want to do that. Right. I love what you guys are doing. I love that. I wish I had this, this is stuff that again, um, just hang it, you know, anyone listen to this that's a little bit frustrated, I've been there. Just hang in there. Just like, yeah, I'm not saying it's always going to work, but man, 
understand you get to do something so freaking cool. You get to coach. And um, I wish I had this. Cause I think that's, you know, that's, I, I referenced the Don Meyer line late, earlier, the worst thing coaching beats the best day doing anything else. Um, uh, keep your head up. You're good. You're good. Whoever's like, if you're, if you're going through it and you're pissed off and you're going back to year four at your job, um, stay with them, man. You're, you're, you get to impact young lives. You get to use this round ball we have and you get to make the world better and uh, you get to develop relationships with people, both your players and your coaches. And that that's really fun and pour yourself into those guys. And coach, you know, I'm going to hold you to that. You said anybody can come watch practice. So if there's any loyal Chicago managers or GAs out there that are, yeah. you said it, coach shirts. That, 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 that's the drawback of it. You know, that, that's the one drawback, but I'm serious. If any guys uh, ever want to make their way through Terre Haute, we'd love to have you. Awesome. Thanks coach. Thank you for listening to this week's Coaching Routes podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry. I want to give a special thanks to Indiana State Assistant Coach Zach Bovere for joining us this week on the podcast. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Coach Routes Pod. Thanks and have a great week.